Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We talk today to David Reeves, the CEO of Calidus Resources, that are a Western Australia gold developer. Now, they have completed their feasibility study, currently working through their feasibility study, have cash in the bank, about seven million bucks, uh, quite a good shareholder register, and they hope to be able to get this project into production by the end of next year. It's a single asset company, it's something they may want to address, depends what they really want to end up doing with the cash that they hope they're going to be able to produce. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, David, how are you, sir? Matthew, sensational and yourself. Not too bad, not too bad. Coping, surviving, as it were. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you're joining us from uh, sunny Perth. It's towards the end of the day, so um, but you've made some time to tell us your story. So why don't we kick off with that one-minute summary, and then we'll pick it up from there. Calidus, uh, we're a gold development company with a project in Western Australia. Uh, we've completed a pre-feasibility study. We're currently in the middle of our feasibility study. And all being equal, next year we'll be building a 100,000 ounce per annum gold mine in Western Australia that at these gold prices um, throws out a heap of cash. Um, and that is less than a minute because it's that simple. Fantastic. Sounds simple. I, I, I bet it wasn't that simple to put together, but we're going to find out. Um, yeah. Now, your share price was gaining a little bit of momentum up until uh, the market reset and COVID-19. I think people were starting to take notice. Why do you think that was? The PFS spun out some, you know, okay, okay numbers in there. Um, but what do you think people are getting excited about? Oh, look, um, there's a massive disconnect between the gold price and our value. So since we put out the pre-fees, the MPB of the project, courtesy of the gold price, has gone up threefold. And our share price at that point had flat lines from the PFS. So I think people were starting to realise that um, all, the, all the money had gone into the producers, those that were directly exposed to the gold price. They were getting fully valued. So people said, well, where's the next opportunity? And that's the developers. And we were starting to see some good interest coming in. And then COVID came along and risk becomes an issue. And you know, the, the non-producers, the non-cash producers are the ones that uh, feel the bite first. But, you know, that's what we're aiming to do is next year is to be in production late next year so that we, we move away from that. And that's the opportunity is the massive re-rate on the back of moving into production. Okay. Well, let's, let's tell people who are new to this story a little bit about the sort of backstory, as it were. So how long have you been there? Right. So, yeah, there's a hell of a backstory here. So you might want to sit back, relax. And Buckle up. Right. Buckle up. <laughs> Get a drink. Yeah. Right, okay. And this will be very familiar to quite a few of our UK shareholders in that um, I was MD of a company called, Ker oh, called Keras Resources PLC, listed name. Uh, we were doing iron and manganese in West Africa. GFC came along. Life got very difficult. So we were basically withering on the vine and dying. We needed something else to do. So we started doing some tribute mining, uh, gold tribute mining back in Australia where we'd go into someone else's lease find some gold, um, sell it, give them a portion of it. Um, wasn't overly profitable, but kept the lights on. And what it emphasised was you don't want to be paying a lot of your profit away to someone else. You want to keep that profit. So we needed to find our own project. 
So we pulled um, this project together, Warrawoona, announced it to London, and London went, well, it's sort of expiration, we're not overly excited. Uh, we knew we needed lots of money um, to you know, drill this and, and uh, complete feasibilities, uh, and there was a good appetite in Australia. So what we did was reverse it out of Keras uh, and put it into a shell in Australia, which we call Calidus, um, which by the way means hot in Latin, and we're just outside Marble Bar, which is the hottest town in Australia. Um, record of 160 days in a row over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. So just a bit of trivia for you. Um, so we reversed it into, into there, uh, listed it, raised $10 million, started drilling, and here we are today by the end of the year heading towards development. So when you say how long have I been involved, since day dot, we saw the opportunity, we did seven transactions, pulled it together, then had to do another transaction reversing into Australia, so we could raise the money, and we've just done an in-species distribution of those Keras shares to our UK, or to the Keras UK shareholders, which make up about 30% of our register. Right, okay, okay. So that, that, that's a great history, because it tells, gives me a sense of what it is that you're trying to build, that you didn't want to be sort of giving away the profits, so you, you, you identified your own asset and built, built that out. Can you tell me, tell me a little bit about the team behind this? Because um, you, you kind of explained where you've come from, but what about the rest of the guys? Yeah, so obviously started fairly small. Um, so we've, I mean, we've got a small team because we're not in production at the moment. Uh, we've got Richard Hill, our CFO. He just joined us a couple of months ago as we head towards financing. Um, Paul Brennan, our COO, Chief Operating Officer, uh, joined us ooh, getting on towards a year now, I think. Uh, he most recently was general manager at a large gold mine here in Australia. So he brings a lot of that operating now with him uh, and, and prior to that we had a couple of geos with me jane allen our geology manager was here from day one uh she and i worked together many many years ago uh some gold mines in western australia uh and i valued her value her input and uh steve shepherd came on for our, our exploration um drilling mapping etc so pretty small crew um, but a lot of experience in there, you know, we've all um, been there, done it, uh, be it building mines, operating mines, finding mines, so uh, a good team for sure. So who, who's the guy or guy or gals who have built a mine, actually built the operation rather than operated it? I've been involved with building three mines, so I worked up to the level of mine manager in Australia then went across to Zimbabwe where we built a gold mine, 1.8 million tonne gold mine over there. Uh, then went on to do a company called Zimplats, um, which is now the largest platinum producer outside of South Africa. So I did the build of feasibility and build on that. Um, Mark Connolly, our chairman, uh, has been involved with building multiple mines as well, both on the ground and on the financial side um, from a board perspective. So. Uh, certainly on that side, I think we're better versed than the vast majority out there. Uh, and then we've got that operating knowledge as well with Paul and myself having been my managers. Right. So how does something like that, you've got a PFS, how does something like that get financed? You're talking about being in production. Sorry, did you say you're going to start building or in production by the end of next year? What was in production in the next year. Right. So how do you get financed off the back of a PFS? Well, you don't. That's why we're doing a feasibility uh, as we speak. So that feasibility feasibility be complete this year. Um, we've already started um, the debt process 
And there's a range of debts. You know, you can get conventional debt with banks, um, which is very standard in Australia. You can use private equity money, which will generally give you more debt, a higher level of debt, uh, and less dilution for shareholders. You can look at streaming and royalty companies that are awash with cash at the moment, uh, offering good deals, and they can access capital generally at a lot more favourable rates than juniors can and provide that at pretty competitive rates. So those are your three main debt components. So pick a number between 70 and 90% will be funded that way. And the rest you have to make up for, obviously, in equity. Right. But if you look at sort of the tra- traditional route, I'm talking traditional route, and I have seen more and more companies be the exception to the rule. But traditionally, your pre-fees, feasibility, DFS or BFS, whatever you want to call it, um, that's the point at which you get finance when you've got that kind of DFS in place. You're going at feasibility right. stage? Yeah, so we will complete feasibility later this year, but during that process, we'll have appointed an independent expert to be working through the resource, the metallurgy, all of those things that they can. So by the time we finish the feasibility, it's very quick for the independent expert to finalise. We've obviously got draft financial models that we'll be updating all the time that we can provide to the banks along with an IM. Uh, So we get initial draft term sheets. We can shortlist, so when the independent expert report comes out later this year, we go to our favourite few banks, um, get their final proposals, credit-approved proposals, choose our debt provider and start the documentation. But but to answer the question is that that you're saying those financial institutions, whichever of that mix you go with, are not saying to you, I need a definitive feasibility study as is labelled? They will for credit approval, but they will provide indicative term sheets based on the updated financial model that we're updating constantly because we are locking in. During that feasibility process, we'll be locking in preferred mining contractor EPC prices on the plant. We'll be locking all those in. So, you know, within a few months, we will have, you know, all intents and purposes of final financial model that will only just have some minor tweaking at the end of the feasibility that they can use. And yeah, they'll have CPs. They want all the permits. They want all these other things in place. Um, and we need to, so it's not just the feasibility, they need the permitting. And that's what's driving our construction is it's our permitting um, that really drives it. And that, uh, that'll be complete, we believe, towards the end of this year. Okay, and those terms will be obviously conditional on all of those things being in place, but you'll you have a very good sense of what the cost of that money is going to be for you. Oh, absolutely, yep. Right, okay. So let's talk about that permitting, because that's always the long pole in the tent. Where are you with all of that? Yeah, so look, the, the first day that we started, uh, put foot on the ground, we started uh, our environmental work. We were doing environmental monitoring before we started drilling. Um, because we knew how important it would be. So uh, we do have bats in an old working near us that are listed as vulnerable. So we have to uh, refer ourselves to the Environmental Protection Agency here, which we have done, um, and also to the federal, uh, the Commonwealth Government of Australia as well. So we've referred ourselves to both. Um, the EPA in Western Australia, we, we've done three years of monitoring. We've really put a lot of time and effort into the science behind the, the issues. And what they've done is come back and uh, given us what's called proponent-referred 
um, process, which means all of the documentation we've done is more than adequate for them to make a decision and apply various provisions to our license. So they are working through that now um, and we expect to hear back from the board in the next, let's say, four months um, on that. And, you know, we've had site visits with them and we had a combined site visits with them and the Commonwealth. And the Commonwealth of Australia have decided to let the EPA undertake the review for them and then they will make the decision on the review. So we've essentially got one review process happening. Uh, it's gone very well to date. Uh, we're not expecting any major hiccups and uh, we believe we'll have some positive news on that in the next four months or so. Right. Is that the only permitting that's outstanding? No. So once you've got that permit, that's the big one. Um, well, once you've got that, it goes to the Minister for sign-off. He normally takes a couple of months to, to clear the backlog on his desk and he gets to signing it. As soon as the Minister signed that, then we need all of our safety and operating permits through the Department of Mines. So that's what's called your project management plan, your mining proposal, your explosives licence, what have you. So we are working on them at the moment, all the documentation, and we'll submit them ahead of time. So that should be about a two-month process once we get ministerial approval on the first main one. And separately to that, we'll be, we've started applying for our water licence for construction. Um, and once we've done some bore equipping later this year, we can apply for the full water licence. Right, okay. And so and what are you spending most of your time trying to get in place so you don't miss any deadlines? Um, so to a large degree, that permitting process is outside your control. We have done all the work we could do up until submission. We answer anything that comes along as quickly as possible. Um, so really, Paul is working on the next lot of permits, so safety and operating permits. So he's fully engaged on that. Um, I'm tackling more on the water side myself at the moment, just uh, to that, that requires drilling and things to happen in the field at the moment. So jump onto that one and yeah that will make all that happen rich is working with the debt providers our cfo um so you know there's a parallel approach between feasibility financing and permitting all coming together at the end of the year okay can we talk about the again so, so touches upon the business plan that you guys had okay so i mean this isn't a huge project per se it, it's you're you're advanced you've got cash You've got, you know, Al Alkane Resources there who've got a lot of cash. Uh, just quick, are they going to follow their money? They're, they're sitting on 13% at the moment. Do you think they will follow? Look, they've been a fantastic shareholder to date. They've uh, always publicly said they're there to support people like ourselves move into development. They see that as a great investment opportunity. Um, so certainly all the discussions we've had prior um, have been very positive in that regards, but obviously they'll want to see the studies, etc. Um, having said that, you know, the pre-fees showed 100,000 ounces of 11.50 an ounce uh, Australian. Australian gold today is between 2.6 and 2.7, 2,600 and 2.700. So, you know, that's a project that can spin off on those numbers 140 to 150 million Aussie EBITDA per annum with a CapEx bill of around you know, through capex of 100 and including working cap about 120. So, well, you know, well under a year's payback. Okay. Was, was, so that's a maybe? That's a maybe, yeah. Until right. someone signs a check, it's always a maybe. Okay. Now, I just wonder if they, because typically they would, you know, have conversations with you. You sort of know their, their mindset, but they're going to wait and see what these numbers actually turn out. 
to be before they commit. Okay, fair enough. But coming back to my point, it's it's not a huge project. So let's say you get into production, end of next year, you start throwing off some cash. What is the company that you're trying to build here? Are you going to, do you have enough to go and explore and develop elsewhere? Or are you going to have to look at M&A type activity? Yeah, look, um, we certainly believe that single asset companies trade at a discount to others, um, to multi-asset just because of the risk profile. So we certainly want to be part of something bigger. Now, whether we're dinner or diner is the question. We're always looking at opportunities ourselves um, to grow. So, uh, you know, that's certainly something that um, we are constantly looking at and we are putting plans in place to grow our portfolio. Um, having said that, if we see an opportunity at one plus one equals three later down the track, um, we're very happy to take that to shareholders if we think it makes sense. Okay, but where, but where's your head at? What, what would you prefer? Do you know, dinner, you know, dinner or diner? My head is firmly on completing the fees, getting the first line into production. If there's opportunities along the way, fantastic. But really, you know, that's all we should be looking at is let's start making cash. Once you make cash, everything else becomes a lot easier. Okay, no, fair, fair, fair point. So how many shares have you got? On issue in the company? No, you. David. Me personally? David. David owns about 7.5% of the company. Wow, you're in it. And we, were you, how did, how did you get those? Um, cash. So I bought both on market here in Australia, but the main holding came through Keras, where I was the largest shareholder there by putting in quite a lot of cash over the last, goodness knows, decade. Right, okay. Are you still buying? I bought a couple of weeks ago, maybe 10 days ago to two weeks ago when uh, when the coronavirus first hit and the share prices were getting slammed, it was too good an opportunity uh, not to try and double a toe in again. Right. Okay. And so what, what about some of your other um, board members? Are they are they buyers as well? Yeah, not as much. Everyone's got their own personal um, positions in life. Uh, we've had a couple of the senior management buy-in. Um, so that's good. Uh, and yeah, certainly on the road shows when we go around chatting with people, you know, single question is why are you so cheap? What's wrong with the project? And you just say we're under the radar uh, as we move down this next six months and start ticking those boxes of permit feasibility, um, see through onto the debt, uh, it has to change at some point. Is that all they're saying? They're just saying, you know, okay, every, every CEO goes, we're undervalued, right? So that we'll take that as red. But what are the, what are the big questions that they're asking you is it just a case of you're in that very boring phase of development just you know, prior to getting to production and people are just waiting for you to you know, get those term sheets in place? Or is there more to it? Yeah, no, that's pretty much it. So I, was, I think someone summed it up well when I was talking to the other day saying in the past, you'd have a, a checklist of 10 items um, and every item you'd go up 20%, you know, tick, 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 because you de-risk the project. Now it seems that you've got to you know, tick nine of them, maybe 10, and then bang, it's just one jump, um, up you go. So that's one of the fundamental things that's changed in recent years is there's no longer that incremental growth as you de-risk, it really is, show us everything's in place, then we're in. 
Right. Okay. And, and, you, and obviously, you know, you've got quite a few things happening. Is um, is most of this of desktop research at the moment? There's no, there's nothing happening in the field that you need to be doing. And you know, if there is, are you able to at the moment? Yeah. So we're in a fortunate position of nothing. The field needs to be done. We've done all the drilling for the feasibility last year. There's some drilling we'd like to do, just uh, targeting sort of five, six hundred metres below the ore body just to show it exists and this thing will be around for a lot longer yet. This mine, not this thing. Um, you know, that would have been good. Uh, we do need to do water bore drilling at some point this year. There's nothing stopping exploration of mining companies operating in Western Australia. Within Western Australia, the borders to Western Australia are closed, but internally, mining and exploration companies have exemptions to move around. Um, so we can do things when we need to. Okay. Well, Dave, um, like that, that's a nice first introduction to the company. I mean, I hadn't heard the story before, and you know, say so you are under the radar. Um, we're picking up, I think, you know, since towards the well, I'd say since uh, since the start of the new year, people were looking at you again, starting to look at you again. I hope you get back there again soon. Sounds like you've. Got it all under control. As much as can be in this wonderful world in which we currently live. <laughs> well, um, stay, in, stay in touch. Certainly when, when some of these um, things start to manifest themselves, pick up the phone, give us a call and um, let us know how you're getting on because we'd, we'd like to know more about this story, which is completely new to us. So um, appreciate your time today. You better get back out no, there in the thank sunshine. Thank you very much. And thanks, thanks for reaching out. I will. Oh, look at that. It's 10 minutes to beer o'clock. How fortunate. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.